If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Better with Dr. Erica, hosted by Dr. Erica, provides support and guidance in navigating stress-related challenges to transform your relationship to self-care. Each episode arms you with the tools needed to be better, do better, and live better. There was an incredible episode that you should check out called Touch and Connections as Tools for Healing and Better Mental Health. In this episode, her guest breaks down ways to use physical touch as a form of healing for trauma and grief. Check out Better with Dr. Erica on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Hey there, leading ladies. Welcome to the Women Physicians Lead Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lisa Herbert, a two-time best-selling author, speaker, family physician, and executive leadership coach with over 20 years experience of providing primary care and serving as a healthcare leader. If you are a woman physician ready to make a change in your career and have a seat at the leadership table, then you are in the right place. I'm excited to provide you with the crucial skills you need to be a successful leader and strategies to deal with workplace challenges. So put on your headphones and listen as we explore the new world of building women physician leaders. So hello, leading ladies. Welcome back to another episode of the Women Physicians Lead Podcast. So I'm excited today to bring you another amazing guest, for our series. And this series, we're talking to women physicians about turning their pain into purpose. So today I have with me, Dr. Stephanie E. Freeman, who's going to share her story with us and tell us a little bit about her journey. So welcome, Dr. Stephanie. Thank you so much, Dr. Lisa. As you know, I am Dr. Freeman. I am a double board certified critical care physician, and I work with physicians who are struggling with their jobs and burnt out with their careers or just who need some career advice. I am a locums expert, and it's my job, you know, just to give people hope and inspiration so that they can truly practice medicine on their own terms. That's wonderful. And I love the work that you're doing, Dr. Stephanie. We are definitely going to get into that in terms of how you're helping other docs in their locums journey. But first, I want you to share with us a little bit about your career and your leadership journey. So looking back to your career as a physician and sort of, Mm -hmm. you know, the path that you've taken, who or what may have been instrumental in that decision? Okay, well, um, I really can't pinpoint any specific time in which I decided to become a physician. Initially, I thought I was going to be an engineer. And then I went to a summer engineering program one summer. Um, I think when I was in like between the ninth and 10th grade, and I just kind of decided that engineering was not for me. And I was like, I think I'll be a physician. And it was the strangest thing because I had never been sick. There's no physicians in my family. I don't know any physicians personally, but I just decided it was something that I wanted to do. And I decided it was something that I could do. And I decided to do it and I did it. And the great thing was um, I'm from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and which is the home of the University of Alabama. And what a lot of people don't know is that the University of Alabama actually has um, some pretty good support for black students. And so early in my high school career, um, I was exposed to black students at the University of Alabama who were on the pre-med track. And so I was like, oh my gosh. And so I had 
those people to look on, look to as role models. And when I got to Alabama, you know, we continued to have pretty good exposure and a pretty good solid um, my uh, pre-med track for uh, Black students who wanted to go into medicine. And then, you know, we had the, the medical school in Birmingham. And so a lot, I just kept in touch with a lot of the, the people who went to Alabama and then went to UAB. So I always had somebody who looked like me ahead of me to let me know what was possible. And so even though I didn't have anybody in my immediate circle, I at least had, you know, physical representations of people I could touch and reach out to and people who looked like me who were a couple of steps ahead of me on the journey just to let me know what was available. And so that is so very instrumental because representation does matter. Absolutely. And I can definitely relate to that, Dr. Stephanie, because I think for me as well, just no, well, I, I knew I wanted to be a doctor at the age of five, but that representation was really important because although I had those dreams and aspirations, like most of us do, unless you know that that's possible and can see that that's possible, a lot of times it can halt your dreams, right? Mm -hmm. And prevent you from even moving forward. So I'm really glad that you were able to have those people to look up to and to support you, you know, during your journey. Yeah. So that's great. Um, so tell us a little bit about being an ICU physician because, oh gosh, I can just remember my days in the hospital and just anytime I got called to the ICU, my heart just dropped. <laughs> so I can't even imagine being in the ICU day after day after day. So what does that look like? And um, what role? Oh my gosh, I just can't, Dr. Stephanie. My my pulse, even just thinking about it, my heart starts racing. <laughs> so take us into that world of being an ICU physician. You know what? I I never thought that I wanted to be an ICU physician. When I went into medical school, I went into medical school with the thought that I was gonna be family medicine and I was gonna practice rural family medicine because remember, I'm from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Right. And so the University of Alabama had a really strong um, College of Community Health Sciences. And then of course UAB was right up the street in Birmingham. And so they were really pushing at that time, primary care, and they wanted to increase the workforce of primary care physicians in that area. So I'm like, I'm from Alabama, from Tuscaloosa, this is what I want to do. And I really seriously thought that I wanted to do family medicine and that I wanted to do rural family medicine. And you know, it's the funniest thing how our parents know us better than that we know ourselves. Because my mama was like, I don't know what you're going to do, but that's not it. <laughs> She's like, you do not have the temperament to be a family medicine <laughs> physician. She's like, I don't know. She was like, I think I see you doing something like emergency medicine, but it, you definitely not family medicine. That's funny. So fast forward through, you know, my clinical rotations and I decided to do internal medicine, you know, did internal medicine at Wake Forest. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna be a hospitalist because I like the hospital. Clinic was great, but there were so many things I could not control in clinic, but you can control more things in the hospital. So what I was going to do, I was going to be a hospitalist. 
I liked geriatrics. So I even did a geriatric fellowship and I said, you know what, I'm going to do this geriatric fellowship and then I'm going to do hospitalist work and work in nursing homes. Okay. That's what I was going to do. But I liked the ICU and I didn't realize how much I liked it. And so I had a lot of ICU rotations and I was really good at it. Mm. And so the last ICU rotation I had, the like my second or even third year, I remember um, I was on call one night and back in the day when we were training, we did the days on call at night and then rounding post-call the next day. So we did those 36 mm-hmm. hours, 30 to 36 hours in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And I remember one night I was on call. I mean, I was just having a blast. And I was just rounding on my patients. And I remember Dr. Lisa hearing the word of God mm. tell me to do critical care. Wow. I heard it. I remember the patient. I remember where the patient was what the patient was admitted for, what I was doing when I heard the word of God tell me to do critical care. And so I remember not not long after that, I was having a conversation with one of my attendees and I said, I really like critical care, but I don't like pulmonology. And he said, that's not a problem. You could just be an intensivist and there are programs where you can go and do a critical care fellowship he told me which programs to apply for, and the rest is history. Wow. And I've been doing critical care ever since. And when you keep at, you know, asking me what that's like, but that's my happy place. That's where, that's what my calling mm. is. Yeah. And when you're operating in your calling, it's not like it's not work. It, you know, we have our ups and downs. But I know that that's where I'm supposed to be because I keep I keep going back to that. God, I heard you tell me that this is what I was supposed to do. And even though I've even when I have, you know, dips in my career and low points, I keep going back to God and saying, am I released from my assignment mm. as an intensivist? Mm. And guess what the answer is? Wow. Not yet. No. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That was really um, eye opening. That was inspiring. I never actually heard this part of the story, you know, from you before in terms of your um, your journey. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important for us to tap into that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think so many physicians forget that being a physician is a calling. Mm. Nobody, I've not ever heard a story of a physician who said, yeah, I used to be a truck driver, but then I decided to go back to medical school. Right. I've never heard that. I've heard (laughs) nurses say that. I've heard nurses have all kinds and I'm not knocking that. But every physician was like, I've always wanted to be a doctor. Doctor, yeah. I've always had that calling. And so I have to go back and remind physicians of that sacred calling because it's sacred. Mm-hmm. Being a physician is sacred. Yeah. And the physician patient relationship is holy. Mm. 
And the reason why I say that it is sacred and holy is because there are entire medical boards and entire laws written governing the physician-patient relationship. Absolutely. And we have to remember that and really kind of nurture ourselves and our spirits when we say, okay, I'm doing this because I was called to do it. So Mm -hmm. let me honor that calling in whichever way we see fit. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And I'm so glad that you listened because a lot of times we don't even listen to that calling or that spirit or that voice, right? Mm-hmm. That um that we hear. Mm-hmm. And um, so just thankful that you are in that space and that you're continuing to serve. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I, I I'm sure that during your professional career, during your journey as a ICU physician, um, like most of us, you know, we have had some challenges, we've had some adversities. And um for a lot of us, you know, it causes us to to shift sometimes in what we're doing or to do something different based on those challenges. Um, so if you can share with us is, you know, I'm sure, like I said, there have been many, but was there any pivotal point in your career where you went through something painful or you encountered a challenge and it caused you to turn that challenge into something great? Yes, absolutely. I joke and tell everybody that I'm unemployable. And what I mean by that is seriously, I cannot keep a job. But what I mean by that is like W-2 employment in the traditional sense, it, it and I has n- have not gotten along. And the first time I got fired, um, yes, fired, because we don't we don't talk about that mm-hmm. um, in medical spaces. They don't prepare you for the fact that the medical marketplace is brutal and physicians lose, you know, people lose contracts and contracts don't get renewed and you get fired. Hey, leading ladies, this is Dr. Lisa. I love bringing you great content and dropping pearls to help you lead with confidence. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Hello, leading ladies. It's Dr. Lisa. Ready to claim your seat at the leadership table? Well, let's partner together. I believe that when a physician learns the crucial skills they need to step up and lead, positive change happens in their own life and community. So ready to talk? As a physician and certified executive leadership coach, I provide training and support for physicians who want to feel confident in their ability to lead and be the respected voice in healthcare. So if you book your free 30-minute consultation today, we are going to analyze where you are in your career and identify the specific support you need to lead successfully. And if we're a good fit, I will provide you with the solution that is best for you. So I look forward to learning more about your leadership journey and how I can support your growth. Go to www.justtherightbalance.com forward slash physician consult. That's www.justtherightbalance.com forward slash physician consult. Hey there, leading ladies. It's Dr. Lisa. Thanks for hanging in with me. Now back to our amazing interview. So the first time I got fired was my first job out after, re- out after fellowship. Thought it was the end of the world. 
but I was able to bounce back because I had always moonlit during my training and I understood the concept of moonlighting and per diem work so I was like okay well I'm crying and I just got oh but let me go ahead and call this person with at at this hospital because I know they need some help and so I was able to pivot and um I was actually as a result of being fired that first time introduced to the whole concept of being a locum's physician as a career and I was exposed to it as a whole industry. And I was like, oh, that's just moonlighting. I do moonlighting anyway. But you mean to tell me you're going to pay me this much money and fly me here and pay for flight, hotel and rental car? Right. Yeah, because I've been doing I was already used to that. And so that was the first pivot that that I I took but for the longest time Dr. Lisa I was like well yeah I'm doing this but I felt bad about it because I had been fired and I was embarrassed and I had to do locums as a way you know out of that and then I went back to get my my MBA so I was doing locums while I was getting my MBA as well and then I was like okay because I was embarrassed about the fact that I was a locum's doctor and I was embarrassed about the fact that I had been fired from my first job. I was like, let me get a, a permanent job. Mm. <laughs> Didn't work. <laughs> Didn't work. And not only did it not work, I got a job at a hospital. And this was my first real experience about how really nasty that hospital administrators can be towards physicians and how if they don't like you for any reason, if they want to make an example out of you, not only will they fire you and humiliate you, they will threaten your license and they will threaten to ruin your career. And I experienced that firsthand and it took a legal, uh, you know, challenge, you know, legal involvement, um, lots of money. And I was like, I'm not doing this to myself again. I'm not going to be in this situation again in which one person has that much power over me. So it took me a while to heal, but that's when I said, I'm going to do this my way. You know, I'm going to do this locums thing. I've got other things that I want to do to uh, really um, develop me as a whole person. I have other business interests. I might want to start writing some books. Um, Who knows, but I'm not going to be beholden to anybody anymore and give those people that much power over my life. And I wish I could say, Dr. Lisa, that after I made that decision, that that was my aha moment and everything was hunky-dory. It was not Hmm. because I still struggled with that. I still struggled with the, why can't I keep a job? Why is it every time I get into these places, things don't work out? So after six months or nine months, I'm having to leave. I still struggled with that. But then I came to the realization that this is my path. And my path as a physician is different from somebody else's path. And when I accepted that and I accepted the hashtag I'm unemployable, that's when I started embracing my locum's lifestyle and saying, okay, this is how I want to work. These are the conditions under which I want to work because then I have the freedom and flexibility to be a whole person as Stephanie Elizabeth Freeman can be as opposed to 
being only what that contract says I can be as it pertains to being a physician. And so I subsequently took those horrible work experiences and the horrible locums experiences and just started reaching out to my fellow physicians, women physicians who were having problems and even wanting to quit medicine without knowing that there are other options Absolutely. out there. Absolutely. And that's my whole thing. You got options just because this job sucks. You got other options. So before you hang up the white coat, before you hang up the stethoscope, if that's, if that's what you want to do, then that's fine. But just know you have options. And so I just started, you know, helping other people and exposing them to the other options that they have, the other ways that they can practice medicine in a way that is satisfying to their soul, mm -hmm. the way that edifies their spirit. And, and so that's how, you know, I just kind of got into my locums leadership and my locums coaching that I do. That's wonderful. So you definitely, you know, took a painful situation and turned it into something purposeful, right? By helping other physicians understand that um, locums is an option. <laughs> and that you can use um, locums to continue to practice medicine. And I like what you said also about creating your own path, because I feel like a lot of times we always try to fit the mold, right? We always try to fit ourselves into sometimes situations where we don't necessarily we're not comfortable in, or it doesn't agree with us. It doesn't agree with our lifestyle, doesn't agree with our values, doesn't agree with our belief system, but yet we still try to fit ourselves into this mold. And mm -hmm. um, obviously, you know, from, from what you're sharing with us from experience, it doesn't end well when you, when you try I always to physicians, I'm a, you know, the Bible says you can't serve two masters. And it's the funniest thing is that sometimes external forces will recognize the fact that you don't belong there mm. because you have something internal and you're going to work and you're doing your job and you're wanting to fit into that to that place but they recognize that you don't belong there okay. not because you're not a good doctor but because there's other things for you mm -hmm. and so that's why I always tell physicians who are always with that internal struggle that are like, I think I want to do, and I'm not sure if I want to stay here. I'm like, listen, you're going to either leave by choice or you're going to leave by force. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. if it's obvious to them that you don't fit in, not by anything that you're doing, not by anything you're saying, but the energy, and you may not even be aware of it, but you know, maybe you have this desire to start your own practice or start another practice, or write some books, or coach, or speak, or develop something different outside the realm of what's permissible at that job. Right. They're going to recognize it. They're going to feel it. It's something. And so I always tell people, I said, you're going to leave by choice, or you're going to leave by force. Yes. And in order to save heartache, tears, hurt feelings, and legal fees, I suggest you you make plans to leave by choice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, thank you for sharing that story and um, for being this um, 
physician, you know, that we all can come to when we have those internal struggles and to learn from you in terms of what it means to practice on your own terms and, and think about locums as an option. So in thinking about, you know, your story again, and the things that you have had to deal with the adversities, what three tips can you give our listeners about what it means to thrive in the face of adversity? Oh, three tips. First of all, I don't know if it's going to be three tips, honey. (laughs) It's going to be a lot. Try not to take it personally. Mm, I like that one. Try not to take it personally. When you're facing issues on your job, unless it's about you, it's not about you. Unless it's about you, it's not about you. Unless most of us are not bad people. I wanted to say the other word. (laughs) Most of us have manners. Most of us have interpersonal skills and interpersonal communication. Most of us were raised in a way in which we know how to treat people and talk to people right. Mm -hmm. So unless you're a jerk, unless you're a jerk, And unless your clinical skills are horrible and they have documented proof and evidence that your clinical skills are horrible. So unless it's about you, it's usually not about you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what happens as physicians is because we are trained in medicine, the art of medicine and the science of medicine. We're not trained in the business of medicine. Absolutely. And medicine is run by business people who have a completely different set of values. They have a whole different playbook. Mm -hmm. And so when you're facing, you know, adversities at work, realize that it's more at play. It's probably not about you per se. Try not to take it personally, but recognize what is going on and make plans to protect yourself because they do have a corporate playbook and they do know how to manage people out of their jobs. Yeah. That's not three. I think I gave you four. (laughs) Yes, there was a lot. There was a lot in there. And um, that first, though, one that you said, don't take it personally. I, I have to just live by that. I think just overall in general, right? In in most situations is the first thing is to always approach a situation by not taking it personally. Uh, I had someone actually remind me of that earlier this week. And um, it's part of the the four agreements, you know, that book, I just ordered that book. Yes. Yes, (laughs) It's one of the four agreements and in terms of how to live your life, the practical guide to, to freedom, right. Is not taking things personally. So that is a really, really, I think, important tip and important um, thing to share with people. And then you mentioned also just being aware. So self-awareness is so important, right? Sometimes we just get away from that being aware of what's going on, in our surroundings, protecting ourselves, understanding that we're not trained in the business of medicine, right? Which is where I, I tend to kind of come in and, and coach a lot of physicians around is 
how to use those leadership skills and how to understand the business of medicine. So you can thrive if that's the environment that you choose to practice in. You got to know how to play the book, right? You have to know how to play the game. Everybody can't do locums. Right, right. Everybody can't quit. I don't want everybody to quit. Locums is not for everybody. PRN work, per diem work, that's not for everybody. It's tough. I mean, I ain't got no assignments right now. So I've been sitting home for six weeks because things are, even though flu and everything is off the chain, they're not bringing in locums right now because they don't have the money. Yeah. So this isn't for everybody. Everybody can't quit. Everybody can't Mm -hmm. do that. We need people to stay in these positions. We need people in positions of authority and leadership positions. So we've got to learn should we choose to stay in an environment, we've got to learn how to thrive in that environment. Environment, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Stephanie, this has been an amazing interview. I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to share with our (laughs) listeners your journey. And I want you just to share with us um, where we can find you on social media. And if you want to share anything with the audience, please feel free to do so. Sure. So I am on all social media channels, probably on it too much. <laughs> <laughs> on Facebook, Dr. Stephanie, um, Instagram, Dr. Stephanie ICU, TikTok, Dr. Stephanie ICU. And my website is uh, drstephanieicu.com. Okay, great. And I'm sure that, um, you know, those listeners who are listening to this interview will definitely check you out on those platforms. Anyone interested in locums, Dr. Stephanie is the woman to see. So, (laughs) so yeah, so I'm excited. And thank you once again for stopping through. And we look forward to maybe having you back in the future. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening today and for allowing me to be a part of your career journey. To continue receiving leadership support, I invite you to join our private Facebook group, Building Women Physician Leaders at www.leadingladiesincharge.com. Until next time, take care. If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Better with Dr. Erica, hosted by Dr. Erica, provides support and guidance in navigating stress-related challenges to transform your relationship to self-care. Each episode arms you with the tools needed to be better, do better, and live better. There was an incredible episode that you should check out called Touch and Connections as Tools for Healing and Better Mental Health. In this episode, her guest breaks down ways to use physical touch as a form of healing for trauma and grief. Check out Better with Dr. Erica on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.